Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focused Podcast, courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and all of your support. We really, really appreciate it. As you'll notice, David Gasper not with me this week. He is actually getting the week off from the podcasting world. And I actually have a special guest coming on today. His name is Mike Roach. He is an avid baseball card enthusiast and that's kind of where the topic of discussion is going to be for today. We are going to discuss the 2021 Bowman release and if you're hearing this and you're thinking okay I'm not into baseball cards I'm out don't go anywhere. Um, I think we do a really good job of appealing to both the people that haven't gotten into the card world yet and to the people that are very much invested into it. I think it's a really good conversation because the industry right now is just really fascinating. And so if you're interested at all, now's the time to uh, to get in, especially with this 2021 Bowman release. So that's the main topic of discussion today, but I am going to go over the news and notes solo here because we do have quite a few things to talk about in terms of the minor league placements. So a lot of teams released where some of these stud prospects were going to be released, and I wanted to talk about those um, and give you my thoughts on what that might mean in the future. Um, before I go into some of the, uh, those assignments, though, there is one piece of information that I thought I could share with you, and that's Daniel Lynch is going to be getting called up and making his debut on Monday, and uh, you're probably hearing this on a Monday or Tuesday, so you probably might even know how it went, but that's very, very exciting. Daniel Lynch is a very top-notch prospect in my mind. I think he's um, a number two starter ceiling with uh, probably a three and a four as a, as his floor. To me, he's very, very uh, appealing. He had a 3.1 ERA in high A and uh, struck out 77 batters in 78 innings. But he's left-handed, and he throws awfully hard. So I'm very, very interested to see how his start goes and how long he's going to remain up. Um, There are a couple of other things to talk about in terms of prospects and injuries. Just I'll run through these really quickly, and then I'll get into the assignments. It looks like Cabrian Hayes is coming back pretty quickly. He's taking some soft toss, so I'm wondering if... um, I know he had a setback the other week, and I think that was kind of upsetting, but uh, already taking soft toss this weekend, that's a really good sign. I think Cabrian Hayes will be back within a couple of weeks. I hope. We really want to see him, um, of course. And uh, the other news was Jason Dominguez actually doesn't have... An assignment yet. We're all very, very anxious to hear where the Yankees are going to send him. Remember, this kid hasn't played a single inning in the United States yet. Some people are thinking high A as a possibility, <laughs> and um, those people are probably a bit crazy. But what they're doing is holding him back in extended spring training and probably waiting a week or two to assign him to where he's going to start. So, very interesting. The quote here from the Senior Director of Player Development, it's Kevin Reese. He says, everything that we've seen from this kid, he's super talented, but he hasn't played a game here yet. All right, Kevin. So, um, that tells me that 
you know, they're they're just they don't want to make a mistake, and they're they're probably going to be pretty conservative when it comes to this. Um, another one that was pretty disappointing in terms of an assignment to me, at least, was Julio Rodriguez. He actually is going to be assigned to High A and uh, High A Everett, which is in the Seattle area, of course. But uh, the AA affiliate in Arkansas are quite a ways away. So uh, there, I wonder if they put them there just so they can keep tabs on them really close. But uh, honestly, the, like, the most basic answer here is that he's you know opening up at high A. Um, I would have hoped AA for him because AA gives you hope that he can make it up this year. Him opening up at high A really doesn't give you a great deal of confidence that he's going to make it up this particular year. And uh, the way they're handling Jared Kelnick and all that stuff, too, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him this year. So the odds are probably saying 2022 for a Julio Rodriguez. He's going to dominate high A, though. Like, I'm almost as sure as anything in this world that he's going to hit, like, 350 there with, you know, 10 home runs in like 20 days. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see. <laughs> so um some of the other ones here, it looks like uh Asa Lacy is going to begin at high A. That's quite impressive for a guy that was, you know, just drafted last year, fourth overall by the Royals. So another stud lefty for the Royals. Those pitching prospects are going to be really really impressive um once they start holding um holding their ground in the major leagues, very similar to the Tigers. Those those two teams have really established their minor league pitching prospects, and they're going to be battling it out here in a few years. Not quite yet. It's going to take a while, as we've seen, you know, Tariq Skubal struggling in 2021. We haven't seen Matt Manning yet. Casey Mize is doing well, but you know, they, they got a long way to go. And the th- same thing's going to happen for the Royals, too. I mean, you got Daniel Lynch. You have um, Chris Bubik. You have now Asa Lacey. I mean, they're coming, but... They're, they're going to take a little while. Uh, Jordan Groshans is heading to double A. I'm very, very excited about this. He's only had 71 career professional games, and he's basically skipping high A here. So I really, really like that for Jordan Groshans, especially since the A's are so, or the A's, the Blue Jays are so loaded in um, with middle infield prospects. Uh, that means Groshans is opening up. Um, that high he's coming sooner than later the other blue jay that was going to be joining mr Groshans at double a is austin martin really really surprised after all of these this is probably the most surprising one to me um yeah austin martin haven't hasn't played a game yet as a professional will be starting in double a of course he is not your normal you know drafty he is very very advanced so this double a I wouldn't be surprised if we see a big struggle, you know, with that's a huge assignment. And then once he starts figuring things out, he, um, I mean, that double A, man, you're close. You're getting there. So um, staying with the Blue Jays, again, Alex Manoa is going to be opening up at triple A. So this guy, again, has very, very little experience. He was drafted in 2019. Of course, didn't get to play in 2020. So we haven't seen a lot of him in minor league settings so triple a he is 23 years old so he's he's not this young high school guy but um you know i think he's throwing harder now than we first expected once he when he was drafted and so you're going to see him start flying up um top top prospect lists if he can perform well in triple a which is no guarantee that's a tough assignment for him 
Um, so very, very interesting there. Relics Manoa. Uh, Wander Franco is going to open up at AAA. That's not too crazy. He's just a couple of weeks away, I would imagine, if he's showing like we all think he would. Um, had a pretty decent spring as well, so I think he's definitely getting uh, up sooner rather than later. So um, Royals again here. Bobby Witt starting up at AA. I think some people were hoping... Triple A because that meant that he is just you know a random injury or uh, a hot week away from getting called up. But that, you know Double A, Triple A, really that's no bearing on if you're going to make it or not. He can easily make the jump from Double A to the big leagues as well if they so choose. I think we'll see Bobby Witt this year, but I don't think it's going to be. Uh, you know, do you remember when Dansby Swanson came up? He came up for like a September call up and. Um, you know, had a good couple of weeks there. I think that's what we're going to see from Bobby. I don't think we're seeing him in midsummer. It'll be well towards the end. Uh, you know, September is what I would guess. We'll see him for maybe, I don't know, 10 to 15 games, something like that. Um, Jared Duran, another guy that's uh, seemingly getting very, very close. Um, He's now playing all sorts of outfield spots. We're going to see him really, really soon as well. So keep on the lookout for him. And I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I uh, had those ones written down. Um, yeah, I think that's some of the big ones. I know I'm missing a few just off the top of my head, but uh, hopefully that, we'll talk about all of them probably more in detail next week. That's when we'll have, you know, minor leagues will have actually taken place. May 4th, of course, the start date. So we'll have a lot of things to talk about, debuts to go over, and the assignments will be definitely more set in stone. Like there's still things we don't know about with a lot of these prospects, but um, those are the big ones that uh, that came out. So um, that's going to do it for the news and notes. So stick, stay tuned. We're going to talk with Mike Roach here. Great conversation. I've already recorded it, so I know where the conversation heads. Um, there's so much about this baseball card world that uh, I think if you aren't talking to other people, like you might miss out. So I think you might, if you've been collecting cards maybe a year or two and you're just, you know, you're getting into it, this will provide some insight, I think, um, especially if you haven't gotten into the baseball card world and maybe you were, you know, you tried, but it's so crazy big and there's so many variations of these cards and stuff, um, I think that when you start the conversation here, you're going to get a nice little intro course. And then for you veterans out there, of course, you can skip ahead. I even tell you, you can skip ahead five minutes or so. <laughs> it's okay. And you can get to like the advanced course, if you will, of Bowman 2021. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this talking with Mike Roach and Bowman 2021. <laughs> And we are back with the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm Alex Sanchez, and I'm joined here today with card guru, Mike Roach. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me. So I think I want to take this time to just kind of introduce you. And if you would, just go over kind of your interest in the card world, what you do with the, with the hobby, is it more of a professional or a more of a just for fun? Just give us an, a lowdown on your background on the sports card world. Yeah, totally. Um, I started collecting back in 1998 when my aunt gave me my first pack during the home run race between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. So 
as a young Cubs fan, that was very exciting. Um, even though my cousin was very disappointed that she was giving the packs to me just in case there was a McGuire in there. Um, but that got me hooked and I was collect, you know, I collected as a kid all through like grade school and middle school. And like many collectors kind of took a break in high school and college as some more worldly things became more interesting. Uh, but I got back in 2011 um, and have been collecting ever since, you know, I've been doing, you know, I've in the decade that I've been back, it's been a little bit of everything really vintage, modern uh, set collecting, player collecting, uh, just kind of whatever catches my interest. Um, and I started doing this prospecting, collecting prospect cards kind of recently. Um, it's always been an interest of mine, but I've never really thrown myself into it. So what I do now is uh, I collect the Bowman Chrome prospect cards, which uh, we just had the Bowman release last week. So that was very exciting. And I kind of look at uh, who the big prospects are, kind of the top 100 prospects, and come up with a list of players that are featured in the pro- in the product and have their autographs, their first Bowman Chrome autographs, and just kind of track the uh, the prices on those. Uh, you know, just kind of see how the prices are trending as the players uh, do well or perform poorly, you know, how many people are buying them uh, and just, you know, who's popular, who's trending, you know, what cards are doing what. And uh, just recently, I, you know, within the last year, I made my own little website, uh, started putting some information out on Twitter and um, it's gotten a pretty good response so far. So I, you know, appreciate all that. And I'm happy to provide all that information to the collectors out there. Um, but, you know, it's still very much a hobby for me. I still enjoy collecting the cards and buying, selling, and trading with other collectors and just, uh, you know, creating the connections that uh, the hobby does and allowing me to follow some of those younger players as they rise up. Awesome. Yeah, I think your story is very similar to many of the collectors in that we started as kids, you know, and yeah. it, you know, we're going to talk, I think we'll talk about the the dip that we have, you know, everybody seemed to have. And then we we come back to it in our adult age, which is kind of funny. But um, what I want to do here is kind of like I got an audience, right? So I'm assuming half of my audience is very much into cards. And I'm assuming half of my audience has no idea about cards. <laughs> so I got in the middle here. Um, that's why David <laughs> didn't want to come on because he's like, I don't know anything about cards. Man. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so I'll pretend I'm going to be offended. Yeah. Yeah, um, I will take this opportunity to say if you know a lot about cards, feel free to fast forward five minutes or so, um, because I do want to just get a basic understanding for people that are not into cards at all so that they might get um, introduced, because I do think that there is something for everybody when it comes to these things. If you want to make a little bit of money, if you want to invest, if you want to collect just your favorites, like there are so many ways you could take this hobby. But um for me, when I, I never got back into it right away because it was just so damn complica- uh, complicated. You know, there's so many versions of cards, there's so many releases. So um, let's just start with the basics, okay? Um, what To me, there are two major types of cards that we're after uh, in the baseball world. It's the Bowman first, and it's the Topps rookie card. So can you expand a little bit on why those are so popular and perhaps mention the difference between those cards and let's say top heritage or uh, tops tier one, something like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, start off with the Topps rookie card because, you know, that goes back as far as Topps does, um, you know, back to, you know, the 52 Mickey Mantle, which, you know, some is not the true rookie card, but, you know, we won't go into that. But, you know, the rookie card traditionally has just always gotten the big attention because it's, you know, a player's first card. Um, it's the first time that they appear in a top set, you know, kind of before they become what they become, you know, like, like the Mickey Mantle rookie card, some other, you know, popular rookie cards, Hank Aaron, um, all those, you know, hall of famers, you know, it's, it's their first appearance in a set. So it's always just, uh, been the big one for collectors, um, as far back as collecting goes really. Yeah. And um, that's for all sports. I mean, you could talk right. about Brady's or Jordan, like, the rookie card is the rookie card. I think that's self-explanatory, but that right. is pretty much Top's flagship is what we call it. So when Top has its main release, they'll release the their main product three times a year. Um, and that's what you're after, right? And you want that first rookie card. So, you know, if, if you're into Fernando Tatis, you want his rookie card in the first major Top's release. So continue on. Sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. Um, so, yeah, it's just, the you got that and then recently uh i mean not recently but uh you know kind of the card boom of the 90s when uh tops brought bowman back uh they brought back bowman kind of as a fill-in uh for the rookie you know they advertised it as home of the rookie card and not that didn't take away from the tops flagship set because tops the flagship set is you know that's the top set uh that's the main set that everyone's going for but Bowman was kind of just another way to bring in the younger players that maybe would get pushed out by the veterans in the flagship set. And as that evolved and uh, they changed that, you know, it became uh, what it is today with a lot of prospects, uh, a lot of guys in the minor leagues, you know, many of them have not even appeared in the majors yet, but it's just a way for collectors to get a first look at uh, the prospects coming up through the system. You know, they put, you know, they, Put them they'll photoshop them into the their big league jerseys so that's another appeal to collectors is it's a player's first look at uh their prospects in their major league jerseys yeah that's so funny um just <laughs> you didn't say that incorrectly right they're, they're photoshopping on these jerseys of high school kids uh, with their major league jerseys it's so funny and then yeah the the other major brand is donris right and they're doing the right. same except they're photoshopping the logos off of the players it's so right funny. i just want to mention that to some people that don't realize what's happening it took me a while yeah. thought they like brought them in and posed for them but no they're they've been photoshopping that for years um yeah. quick question for you actually i actually don't know this when when because we're talking now first bowman which is different than the rookie card right the rookie card right. is when they make their major league debut then they get a tops rookie card but the first bowman they're in the minors they're drafted when did they first release that first Bowman? Um, for the players or just in general? I know like Bowman had been around. I remember 91, 92 Bowman is very popular, but I, they didn't have the first on it. When did they start putting the first stamp on it? Uh, you know, that's actually a great question that um, I don't have the answer to. Uh, but <laughs> Sorry, I, I was just curious. I just thought of that right now. Yeah. yeah, I just thought of that right now because uh, – I remember when I was young, like you said, when we were kids, Bowman was this, this like very exclusive, expensive set that had, you know, I remember Chipper Jones had his 
91 Bowman and they're just the ones to go after, but they didn't have the first on it. And then now that's what we're looking for, right? If we have a Bowman of Adley Rutschman from this year, it's not nearly as much as his first Bowman from 2019. So that little right. stamp is very, very important. So um, that's what we're talking about. So that brings us to my next point, which is why if you're li listening to this podcast, you're into prospects. There's no doubt about it. That's what we market, right? We're prospects 1500. And so that's where the crossover to the baseball card industry, I think, is the strongest because we're so into prospects. We want to see them. Sometimes we can't because minor league games or whatever, we, we just don't see them you know, broadcasted nationally. So these cards are kind of our way in. And then it just helps that those cards are extremely valuable and people can grade them and make their value skyrocket. We're talking not a, like $50, $100. We're talking thousands of dollars for some of these because now they've numbered them. They've put different color variations on them. Some are have autographs on them, of course. And these things are just crazy. So if you're into prospects, it's just a very natural connection to be into Bowman, which is why you're on the uh, podcast today is to talk about the most recent Bowman release. So Bowman 2021. Um, I'm going to give my thoughts after because I want to see what you say. Um, but how is your initial reaction to this release? You know, I'm a. I, I liked it. I, there were, you know, they've hit the big, the big spots. Um, you know, the big one, the big guy was Austin Martin. He had his first Bowman autograph in the set. Um, and they, uh, the Bla uh, Blaze Jordan was the other big one. Uh, so they hit a lot of the big guys. I was pretty satisfied with the checklist. Um, you know, they, uh, a lot of the Bigger prospects, you know, already have their autographs out there, so there really weren't too many holes to fill uh, in terms of top prospects without a first Bowman card. So I wasn't too disappointed with that. Um, but, you know, it, there really wasn't a strong pool to pick from this year, I felt like. So um, some of the guys on the list, you know, they're good for being on the list, but, um, you know, in, in other years, previous uh, Bowman releases, you know, they wouldn't have been – as big of names just because they would have been overshadowed, I think, by some other guys. Um, there were a couple, a handful of guys that I was a little disappointed uh, not to see, but, you know, they, I guess they got to hold some guys back for, you know, Bowman Chrome and Bowman Draft coming out later this year. Yeah, I I don't know what to think about the release because you mentioned Blaze Jordan as one of the big names, and I know Scott's going to kill me for this. But let's not act like Blaze Jordan is this like top 50 prospect that we've been after. Like he's not a very highly ranked prospect yet. I, I do no. Blaze Jordan, but it's just yeah. so, I, so I, interesting. I that him, sorry, so sorry to interrupt. I, I wrote about him in our big names that we'll be chasing on the site. And it was kind of tough to put him in just because, like you said, he's, you know, he's got a lot of highlights, but in, in, and uh, the collectors love him for his YouTube videos. But in terms yeah. of the actual prospect, it's, uh, it's it's a little tough to include in there. Yeah, and I think, you know, they don't really have a lot of options. It's not like they're choosing who to put in or put out. It's the the main guys are in Bowman Draft. That's why I like right. Bowman Draft the best. That's, that's my favorite release of the year. That's when I'll, I'll throw a little party. That's when I'll spend the big bucks. This release always, like, I'm just not as into it as the, the other ones, just because, like, 
Blaze Jordan's great. I do like him, but I want more. You know, I want a lot more. So right. Uh, by the you way, know, it is um, interesting because then that kind of goes back to, um, you know, it's one of the first releases of the year, and you know that kind of ties into like the 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 hobby hype versus the actual prospect type you know and sometimes you know a lot of times it goes hand in hand you know a prospect is good you know the card prices and the hobby will respond accordingly but sometimes uh guys get a little bit overhyped and you know for maybe people who strictly follow prospects they might look at um a guy's cards and not under you know be like what you know why is this guy so much or why is this guy so little so um you know as much as it is usually um like I said, hand in hand for the prospects and their cards, you know, sometimes it does diverge a little bit. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I just so I can get this off of my head. I did look it up. They started using the first Bowman designation in 1996 and 97 stopped for a few years. And then 2003 is when they started it up again. 96, 97 off until 2003. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So anyway, um, I want to dive into what you're saying there a little bit. What do you think? I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I have a, a one guy in mind. So if you don't have anybody, that's that makes sense. Maybe we're thinking of the same guy. But who is somebody that gets a lot of hobby love like Blaze Jordan that isn't necessarily even a top of the end can't miss prospect? Ooh, um, put me on the spot here. I know. I'm thinking Jason Jason Dominguez is the name that comes to me because you know yeah Jason's good but man he was like getting what a couple thousand dollars for his first yep. Bowman auto when it came out it's just crazy yep. and we hadn't even seen that guy in the major leagues or no, in the minor totally. leagues at all totally that's probably the name I would have said also actually um, you know I was just af- <laughs> I was afraid that uh, the pitchforks were gonna break out if I threw mm-hmm. it out there but if, as long as you're uh, with me on that one yeah it's yeah. it's crazy sometimes uh, with these guys with their prices I mean Dominguez is what 18 years old has never even uh, been uh, played a game in the states I don't think and you know his prospect cards are selling for you know over a thousand bucks just for a base card you know unnumbered uh you know ungraded so sometimes the prices do get pretty wild and uh you know you got to be careful with that yeah and on the opposite end of that though the thing that really is the last to come around in terms of value are prospect pitchers so yes i remember you know seeing a mackenzie gore and like i could a couple bucks for a, a variation of his first you know, before the market blew up a little bit, but like those pitchers are always a little bit undervalued too, I think just because mm-hmm. they're so volatile. But if you, uh, you know, if you want to maybe, uh, because they do, do you, do you think that eventually, like, let's say when they be turned into um, a Scherzer or Kershaw, like that they will hold their value or even then are you, you just think that they're never going to be as much as a hitter. Um, I, I think if they turn into a Scherzer or Kershaw, they'll definitely don't, obviously hold their value. Um, but like you said there, it's, it's just kind of the volatility with pitchers is, uh, I mean, obviously all these guys are, you know, relatively volatile, but just especially so with pitchers, it's, it's so hard to predict. And uh, if you want to hold the value, you know, it's, it's, it's tough um, because a, lo- a lot of times, like even after these guys get called up to the majors, um, it takes them, you know, a couple of years to, figure it out um like i mean i wouldn't say sure like scherzer when he was uh back yeah. in detroit like i wouldn't say his 
his prospect cards probably weren't as much as they are now, you know? So, um, yeah. and it, not because he wasn't pitching well, uh, but just because, you know, it, it took him a while to get to where he is today. So, yeah. And then, you know what else I've noticed? And maybe you can give me your thoughts on this going forward is that the first moments from, let's say, Christian Yelich type of players and older compared to the first Bowman's of Bobby Witts and Jared Kelnick's today, there's, I see a big difference. Like the ones today are much more valuable than the ones that are older and of players that are even more established. Like Yelich is an MVP, you know, a stud and his first Bowman compared to, let's say Bobby Witt. It's just like, I don't, I don't see why there's such a, you know, why they're so close to value. Can you explain and what do you think your, your thoughts are on, on the older first Bowman cards? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, when it comes to collecting prospect cards, uh, the market is very much a what have you done for me lately type thing. And, you know, obviously Yelich and, you know, I mean, minus this year, but, um, he, you know, he's established himself pretty good. But it also it's the prospect cards are based off of potential. Um, so, like, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., for example, he blew up his card prices blew up during spring training uh, because, you know, he had a very good spring training and collectors wanted to get in on that. They said they saw what he could do. And uh, it, that was right in front of their eyes. And they're like, oh, man, this guy's you know, doing this during spring training. What's he going to do in the future? Um, you know, how good is he? How good is this guy going to be in the future? Whereas opposed to a guy like Yelich, you know, some of those older, more established veterans, like, you know, they already know what those guys can do. So their value is very uh, set. You know, it, it can change based on some things, you know, coming through in a big moment or something like that. But for a lot of these prospects, it's it's potential based. So it's a lot of, um, you know, what can this, you know, what can this guy become? You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, some people don't like to compare it. They don't like using the word invest and that kind of stuff in the hobby. But um, and I try to avoid it. But I mean, really, it is kind of almost like buying stock in a player in a way. Uh, you know, you're buying, you know, you're buying low, hoping that once this guy hits the big leagues, he becomes the all star. You know, He becomes the next Mike Trout and, you know, his card prices blow up accordingly. So it is a lot of speculation, um, where as opposed to the more veteran guys, you know, there's not as much speculation there. You know, we know what we know what they are. Uh, we've seen what they can do. And the you know, the market's been well established for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. Let me ask you this then. What if Bobby Witt turns into Christian Yelich? Do you think that like it wins an MVP, but, you know, he's not Mike Trout, but still like I would say Yelich is a top 10 player, a top 15 player in the league. I mean, how much. Do you think uh, would what would happen to Bobby Witt's cards then if uh, that's who he becomes? You know, yeah. that, that's I mean, that's an interesting question because um, I mean, obviously his card prices right now are pretty high. Um, I I know I've got them somewhere, but I mean, they're pretty high right now. They skyrocket. Like I said before, they kind of skyrocketed during spring training. Um, I'm I'm sure they'd hold value. They'd probably hold around where they're at right now. Which um, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I, we. I have that right here. I can look that up. Um, but so I also want to take this moment. Could you? Um, I'm, I don't want people to hear my voice. I want to hear it from an expert. So can you explain 
the grading process because I think that's important to where we're headed to. Yeah. Uh, so explain PSA, what's happening with PSA right now, and the difference between a raw card and a graded card. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that like that's a very important thing that's going on right now. And uh, you know, with the card market in general over the last year has been exploding and uh graded cards are basically just taking there are these third party companies that just uh will give you an opinion on what condition your card is in. Uh most of them are on a scale of one to ten. Uh you know some of them do like 0.5, some of them don't. Uh PSA is the big one. They've the one they're the one that stood out and kind of established themselves where if you get a good grade on and a PSA card, PSA 10 is the highest, then that's going to increase the value because you've have a third party uh tell you and you know just establish to the rest of the world that this card is in perfect condition. There's nothing wrong with it, there's no flaws. You know, the, the corners are the corners are sharp. The surface is not smudged or anything like that. So it, it makes it easier for collectors to know that they're getting a good card. Um, the problem with that right now is that is that with the card market exploding, so many people want to have that third party authentication, you know, so to speak, that uh, PSA has just been flooded with cards. and I believe uh, a few weeks ago, you know, maybe a little longer, that they actually stopped taking submissions because that they were just so overwhelmed with cards that you know they they couldn't turn the cards around fast enough. I think people are saying that they were taking you know close to a year, uh, you know, at least a few months, six months to a year to get the cards back, if not longer, um, which you know can be a problem for collectors because in that time card prices uh, are pretty volatile. And if a player stops performing well and kind of takes a dive and you're, you have your cards off at PSA being graded, then, you know, you, you're not able to move those cards. You're not able to sell those cards or get rid of them, you know, at their peak when you might want to. So that can create some problems in the hobby. And I know people have been, uh, you know, complaining about that for a while. And it's... It, because of that, there's been a lot of third party, you know, a lot of newer grading companies pop up and, you know, those guys have all uh, had some issues in one way or the other. So uh, it's grading. It has been an adventure over the last few months for sure. Yeah. And put me in that camp because I've kind of stopped, you know, looking for cards right now, just because the, the PSA, I mean, I, I sent a, a submission back in August and I, you know, I have no idea when I'm getting it back. So yeah. Half the fun yeah. for me is, is in opening packs is finding something that's just in great condition. And then I, you know, go over it myself with a fine tooth comb and then submit it. And then they're, they're, you know, uh, preserved forever. And then if I wanted to sell them, I had, I know I have the highest possible value of that card. Right. So, um, I still have, I'm buying some of the, the first Bowmans because that's kind of my thing that I like. But in terms of the other cards, I mean, I'm just like until PSA opens up, I, I just it's kind of killing the vibe for me. Right. right. Um, yeah. But but great explanation with the PSA. And so I just want to finish up and then we'll let's get into the, the 2021 release even a, a little bit more. But like so Bobby Witt's PSA 10 is going for two seventy nine right now. Uh, Yelich, there's they. 
the thing with Yelich's first Bowman Chrome PSA 10s is that they vary a lot. So I've seen some right. very, like, you know, got to the 250, 300 range, but some are going even less. So around about 180 for Yelich's first Bowman Chrome PSA 10. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I, I don't think that Witt's cards, even if he becomes Yelich, is going to ever go down in value. I think if he becomes Yelich, it just keeps going up. So I, I just, it's such a weird thing that like, the old, you think the older cards are just a little bit more manufactured? Like there's just more of them? Um, they could be. I mean, that's a good question. It does definitely seem that within the last, uh, I don't know, five years, um, that there's definitely been an increased focus on P, on uh, not PSA tens, uh, first Bowman Chromes. So it it could be because I remember, like I said, I came back to collecting in 2011, and you know. Prospecting was around, but uh, it definitely wasn't to the degree that it was that it is today. So I think uh, I think it could be I think it could be just that you know maybe just uh, more cards out there. Um, I think maybe now that maybe some younger collectors are coming into the game that uh, they're collecting player you know the young players that they see as opposed to uh, I mean not that. Not that uh, Yelich is old by any means, but, um, yeah. you know, the more exciting, younger, you know, kind of face of baseball type players like Tatis, like um, yeah. potentially, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, those guys. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been an increased focus on the first Bowman Chrome cards in the uh, in the last um, five years, I guess I would estimate. Yeah, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that that first Bowman card for Yelich, what has been available for a long time, all, right. I mean, much all of those cases have been opened. If you wanted a Yelich first Bowman because you really liked him, you would have had it by now. And yeah. there really is no upside because uh, we love Yelich, but we've seen the best of Yelich most likely, right? Even if he continued mm-hmm. right now, like I mean, he's been going down even a little bit last year and this year. Although, you know, I don't tell David I said that, but. <laughs> Um, yeah. I think I think that's kind of where we can make our conclusions is that if you wanted that Yelich first, you had your chance, you got it, and now there's just not a lot. We still don't know. Wit might be better than Yelich going forward, and if he is the case, because Trout's cards certainly are not cheap, and you know he's about around the same age as Yelich, so right, like a next next tier. You can't just be great; you have to be almost legendary in a sense. And there's a few per generation, so those we got. Right. Um, all right, let's talk about the 2021 release a little bit, uh, a little bit more. I know we kind of touched on it before. So I joined a break with Scotty the other day, and I got uh, a random team in his six-box um, break, and I got the Washington Nationals. So if you would have got the Washington Nationals at that point, would you have been excited or would you have been a little disappointed? I would have felt pretty good about that. Um, yeah, because- so who who are the teams – sorry to interrupt, but uh, – Continue with that, but who are the teams that you know you would want to get? You think top five? I mean, uh, in this release, definitely Toronto number one, um, because mm-hmm. Austin Martin's the big name. Um, Blaze Jordan, uh, Boston Red Sox would, uh, I'm sure, a lot of people going after that one. Um, interestingly, I think the Brewers would actually be a big one. Uh, I agree. Yeah. 
They've I offered got, the Brewers. Uh, I offered to trade the Nationals for the Brewers, but nobody got into that. <laughs> you know, I I don't blame them. It was a good it was a good try. Yeah. Um, after that, I think those are the three. Then who else do you think you would put in your top five? The Yankees are always the Yankees, so they've got a big collecting. They've got a huge fan base, which means they have a big collecting base, and uh, they also have a uh, Kevin Alcan Alcantara uh, in there, Alcantara. Uh, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sure I am. Um, and then, honestly, personally, I would uh, try and get Minnesota just with Aaron Sabato. I think mm, yeah, I between, think yeah. uh, he's got a lot of potential, and especially in you know in the in the hobby, home runs draw draw interest, and that guy's got potential to hit a lot of home runs. So yeah, absolutely. So that was my uh, my plan going into this was like, yeah, I want to I want to join the break. You know, Scott has such great deals because I was seeing six box breaks for like twice as much as what he was. At our, um, so I was like, I definitely got to be in. And Scott pulls me fire all the time, but it's always when I don't look at the checklist, I look <laughs> the checklist and I look for the player that I'm going after. Then I'm like, and I never hit anything. And then when I just kind of like, okay, I'll just go in and hope for the best. That's when I, I get the best stuff. So, um, but the nationals, which is the team I got, they do have Jeremy, De La Rosa, who is actually I, I like quite a bit. You know, if I was drafting a first year player draft, I would take De La Rosa ahead of Blaze Jordan for fantasy purposes. Like, oh, I don't blame you at all. I think I'm I would totally high agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you have to pay a little bit of a tax for those Red Sox and Yankees prospects. So unfortunately, yeah. you're going to those guys are always just and I think that contributes to the Dominguez thing. If Dominguez is on another team. Absolutely. If he's, if he's on uh, Oakland, he's not getting, he's not yeah, selling for a thousand dollars. Yeah. And then same thing. If Robert Boston is a Yankee, he's the Dominguez, you know, it's like, Absolutely. I remember that stuff. So um, anyway, all right. So six boxes go in. Um, I was impressed with the, uh, with the amount of variations that they were throwing in there. Do you think that they, um, that was just that particular one or you think uh, they have, um, I don't know. I, I maybe not. I, I guess now that I think about, it, I think it was pretty standard. But um, the variations. What do you think of uh, the variations this year? Um, I haven't looked too closely at them to be honest with you. Um, but you know, the variations are always they're always fun. Uh, they're always good. I mean, you know, Bowman is not. You know, they've got the color. They've got the serial numbered. Um, what did they go to this year? They'd go down. I mean. Base one fifty. Yeah, I mean it's pretty standard. Um, yeah, it's a standard thing. Yeah, um, I think that's what I like about Bowman is that every year it's sort of the same in terms of the variations. You know that right. color, you're gonna get something valuable, and then pretty much the lower it's numbered, the more valuable it is. And there yep. is anything like I know um, extra Panini does this a lot. Is that they'll put uh, to number to ten. Right. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. But then they'll have like six different versions. Right. <laughs> Ten. So it's like, well, but that's yeah. is it numbered? <laughs> so Bowman doesn't do that, though. You know, Bowman, if it's numbered to 10, there are 10 versions of that card. Uh, granted, it's simply just a different color. So you can. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, if you're just collecting for the autographs, don't ever buy the color. <laughs> yeah. Buy the least one. Who cares? You know, at that point. Um so anyway, I got yeah, I got a Jeremy De La Rosa number to twenty-five auto. I was pretty stoked about that. What do you think about that card? I'd say that's a pretty good card. I mean, I like 
the lower the number, the higher the price. So 25 is, um, that's gonna, that's a pretty good ROI right there uh, for a good yeah. player. And, you know, you mentioned that to me yesterday. And so I, lo I looked him up and there have been a couple of sales since then. And it seems like he's going in like hundred, the, the base card, the base auto unnumbered, uncolored is going in like hundred dollar to $125 range. So um, yeah. And so 25 is, you know, that's pretty yeah. good right there. Essentially after doing this for so many years, you can kind of give a multiplier, right? For me, it's like the refractor's worth, I don't know, 30% more than the base. Right. And then there's like, you know, multipliers you can go up. So you can always kind of just figure out the value. Even if you don't see the, the, the sold versions on eBay or whatever, you can kind of give it, get an idea. Just, and that's why Bowman's so great. You, every year it's sort of the same thing. So there's no surprises. It's easy to predict and it's, kind of up to you to do your research and find those prospects before anybody else does. That's the big fun part for me. Oh, absolutely. You got to do the research though. Cause if, if you don't know what you're opening, you know, that might, mm. sometimes I can lead to trouble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, have you opened any 2021 on your own? I have not yet. Um, I'm, I love opening packs. I love entering breaks. It's a lot of fun, but uh, the one thing in my years of collecting now I've discovered is, the more packs I open, the more cards I end up with that I don't really care about. So um, I, as much as I love opening it, uh, packs and boxes and entering breaks and how much fun it is, I, I tend to stick to just uh, strictly buying uh, player singles. Yeah. Now, if somebody does want to buy a pack, you know, the good old days, we could go to Target or Walmart and we could get some Bowman especially the main release, not so much Bowman draft, but the, the regular Bowman you could get because, Oh, I mentioned that too, before I ask you this next question is that I think that to make up for the lack of a stud checklist, because honestly all the studs are in draft in terms of the new prospects, you're going to get your Austin Martins and your, your couple of random blaze Jordans, but they are releasing rookie cards in the, product as well. So there were a bunch of rookie cards that I noticed that I didn't see were in top uh tops first release like Jake Cronenworth. Um there was Cabrian Hayes which I know has a rookie card but it's not like the base card in top. Mm -hmm. So like you're getting a little bit more uh, I think Jazz Chisholm had a rookie card too in Bowman. So if you can get a Bowman Chrome rookie of those guys, you know, before Tops releases it, you have something as well because yeah. Uh, you know, even I have a Tatis Bowman Chrome that is, is, you know, they can be, they, they don't hold as much value, but they definitely do hold value. And I think it makes up for the lack of maybe the, the, all the prospects, you know, that you, you normally get in draft. What do you think about that? No, I think uh, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, you know, anything that's got a rookie card on it, especially the Chrome, um, we should say for people who don't collect, uh, you know, uh, us collectors, we like shiny things. So, <laughs> The, the chrome cards are where there's the base paper paper cards are called and then there's the chrome cards but uh, yeah the rookie the Bowman rookie cards um, even though they're not the flagship rookie cards they do hold value pretty well and I think a pretty good example of that always is you know Mike trout where mm -hmm. you know his 2011 uh, tops flag flagship card is worth you know ungodly amounts of money um, and you know, uh, but then his uh, Bowman Chrome rookie card, it's not worth as much, 
but it still yeah. holds good value. If you got one of those, you still got something real good. So yeah. Um, so I, I don't. It says rookie card on it. It's good. Yeah. And I tell me if I'm off on this, but let uh, go, the, don't worry about the price. Worry about the comparison. So if I absolutely a types uh, a tops Mike Trout rookie card, let's say is worth a thousand. I what would you? The Chrome would be worth seven fifty, something like that. Yeah, I think that'd be a good estimate. Probably uh, seven fifty. That'd be a good range. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think I like about Bowman 2021 the most. You're going to be chasing Austin Martin and you're going to be chasing Acosta. You're going to be chasing Hedbert and Blaze. Uh, but if you don't get them, you still have plenty of pros, uh, prospects that are actually rookies in the major leagues that you could be getting and putting into your collection as well. Plus, they also have autos. Um, we pulled an Alec Baum um orange auto in scott's break so that you have a rookie auto uh, of a very very popular player uh, and so you have that option which i don't think you get in bowman draft right i mean draft is strictly prospects at that point right yeah i think because uh, that's when they got after the mlb draft they've got all the you know college guys with their new teams now and everything yeah exactly so i think I, now that i'm mentioning that it does you know, remind me that Bowman is is almost always worth it. Um, what do you think the best way to acquire Bowman 2021 is? If let's say one of our listeners is like, you know what, I want to get some of that Bowman Bowman uh, 2021 because we said, you know, you can't just go to Target anymore and pick them up. So, what do you think the best way for your money is to get those now? Um, I mean, there's tons of websites. Uh, you know, uh, that'll sell, you know, uh, blowout cards, Dave and Adams are kind of the big ones that, uh, jumped to the top of my head. But then also, you know, there's tons of breaks that you could enter, uh, for non-collectors who might not be familiar with that. You know, that's when basically, uh, you pay someone else, um, over Skype and they, they'll give you a certain team. You know, they'll kind of randomize, there's different ways to do it, but generally they'll kind of randomize teams. And then any player on that team that they pull out of the cards you know they send it to you um so that's that's a good way to do it too and there's tons of guys that do that like you mentioned uh scott does that mm-hmm. runs some really good ones um i'm trying to think there's i mean there's tons of guys out there uh that's a and i'd say that's probably one of the most popular ways to do it these days yeah absolutely that's where i'm at i'm a random uh break guy um if i see packs at you know, at retail cost, I'll go for it for sure. Because it, if you really want to get all the prospects, it's the best way. If you do a random, you're, you know, you're at the mercy of the pack gods, I guess. Yeah, right. But, um, you know, that's that's the ways that I've gotten cards. Like the pot, I got a bunch of Padres cards because I got lucky and got them in a random, which, you know, if I would have paid for them outright, it would have been three or four times the cost without a guarantee of ever hitting them in the first place. So to me, random is where it's at. If you want to just acquire as many different cards as you want, because essentially every time you do a random break, you would get a different team unless you're just doing a, you know, 60 or 70 of them. And then if you mm-hmm. team that you've already gotten in the past, you always can trade them away, which I like as well. And so even if you lose the deal a little bit, you're getting a new team you haven't got. So to me, that's the best way. I, I, I love my local card dealer. Uh, he's great local card shop, I guess is the correct term, <laughs> but the prices I'm seeing there are just, they're just so much. And then you're not, you're, you're not guaranteed anything. So uh, Absolutely. I encourage supporting those guys. If you like them, 
Um, I do have another guy that would like buy retail product and then sell it at, you know, 50% of an upcharge, which I liked him, but I didn't like that. And I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's been pretty controversial. Yeah. But you know, if your local card shop is getting the, the, the stuff you can't find retaily, retaily like Bowman, right. It's hard to find Bowman draft anywhere, but a local card shop. Right. At that point, I don't mind spending a little bit extra supporting. They got, they got to make money too. I get it. But, um, and then of course, buying them online, if you can, the, you know, somehow going in with a bunch of buddies and buying a case is obviously that would be the best bang for your buck and somehow split all that up. But that's probably unrealistic for most people. Um, Especially so, yeah, with case prices these days. Yeah, they're just going up and up and up. And I feel like each release is getting a little bit more pricey regardless of the checklist. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, online breaks have become so popular is just because, you know, cases and even individual boxes have become, you know, a little bit unaffordable for the average collector. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, you know, in, within the, the last couple, I think once the pandemic hit is where I saw everybody staying home and then just the card boom. And I don't know if they're related, but that's, you know, I got in right before the pandemic, about a year before, and it was affordable. It was like not right. cheap, it was affordable, you know, and then ever since the pandemic, and I think, what do you it think has, the is behind yeah. that? Yeah, it really flipped things on its head. I remember when I first started collecting, you know, retail boxes, they were, it was, you know, it was retail. It's kind of something that if you can't afford hobby boxes, if you don't have an LCS around you, then uh, yeah. you go to Target and you pick up retail for 20 bucks and, you know, you don't expect much out of it, but, you know, you're yeah, you could. Now. Yeah. You know, retail, you know, you know, sign, you know, you got to sign your name on a list and they'll give you a call when it's your turn to come in to buy the boxes. It's, you know, it's insane to me, but you know, that's just the market these days. Yeah. I wonder if the, you know, people were losing their jobs or staying at home, having more free time, able to go out to target a little bit more. And then all of a sudden now they're hooked. I wonder how long it'll last once we get back to normal. That's what I'm curious to see. Yeah. I'm very curious about that as well. Uh, and then I always see this on on the forums and stuff. Do you think that we're in a bubble? And if so, is it going to pop like it did 15, 20 years ago? You know, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, I feel like people have been saying that we're in a bubble uh, for as long as I've been collecting. And I've been mm-hmm. you know, back since 2011. So th- there's always a lot of people preaching doom and gloom and um, it does. There are certain things about the hobby these days that seem like just unsustainable, like the retail prices that uh, we just talked about. Um, so I think some things will definitely taper off, but I don't think that there's going to be some big, you know, uh, hobby apocalypse where all of a sudden these cards are worthless. Um, I think uh, the way that the ho- the hobby is now uh, with the products that the companies offer are just a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more uh, apt to hold value just because they've got, you know, autographs, they've got serial numbers. So there's, there's, you know, you could say that, yes, it's art, a little bit artificially uh, artificial scarcity, but you know, you look back at the nineties when these uh, tops and upper deck and these guys were pumping out, you know, millions of cards per set, you know, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think it will taper off soon. All these new people coming into the hobby during the pandemic will 
you know, a lot of them seem to be more interested in the money than the actual cards. Um, so I think they will taper off eventually. But, you know, I, I do have hope that the people who entered, that there are people who entered the hobby, you know, and really fell in love with card collecting. And I think they'll stick around. Yeah. So um, here's my here's my theory. My theory is that we're not going to have the same type of bubble burst that we did, like you were mentioning, when they were pumping out millions of cards, simply because Tops figured out that if we put autographs on cards and we number them, people will be after those. Right. So, and for me, that's half of the fun is I actually was collecting autographs well before I was collecting cards. And to get an autograph on a card is so much cheaper than like getting a framed version of that player when I just essentially want the autograph. So for, for me, that's going to keep me in forever if they if they keep doing that. So we're not going to have a bubble burst like we saw. However, what I'm worried about is how many different products that Tops and Bowman are releasing. Um, maybe not so much Bowman, but Tops. Mm -hmm. And that what I think is that those non-Tops flagships and non-Bowman products will see a dramatic decrease in the long run in terms yeah. of that. So when you're talking top, top, that's why I don't even. I'm not even worried about Tops Heritage, and I know they're, they're they look cool and stuff, but I don't think those, in terms of value, can sustain it. And right. So they, as they drop, the Tops flagship and the Bowman cards are gonna kind of stay where they're at, if not even increase more. So that's yeah. like the bubble. It's a much smaller bubble because you know people that are entering the hobby, they they kind of like trying to make those things seem valuable. You know. Right. Like, like tops tier one, oh, I you know I got this tops tier one. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna try to resell it really quickly. And I don't think that's gonna last. I think that's where we'll see a, a bubble. No, break. I think you're right. And I think you kind of hit on that uh, earlier when we were talking. And you said when you first came back, you know, it's it's kind of complicated. Like with all the sets that uh, tops puts out, that you know Panini puts out. Like it for new collectors, it can be a little bit overwhelming just with the amount of options that are out there, and you know which ones are valuable and which ones aren't. So I think I think you might be right about that one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us. Um, really appreciate your insight. Like I said, I I, I feel like I, I have a good grasp on the card market, but I, I did I just wanted to see what your thoughts were, and and hopefully some of the audience members. I know we have a wide range, beginners to uh, advanced, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call them. So I, I do appreciate you kind of taking some time and going over some stuff. Um, it was a lot of fun. I think David's going to be interested to know that his brewers are such a high <laughs> target and uh, he's got to get some Hedbert Perez. I need to get some Hedbert Perez. I don't know. Well, we all need some Hedbert Perez. How I'm going to get some of those cards, but, uh, and then I like Blaze too, but he's so expensive right now. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, anyway thanks a lot for uh, your insight. And um, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us here on the Futures Focus. Again, we have minor league games coming. They're, they're going to give us a whole different range of, podcast but i thought this was an, a really cool uh, curveball for the audience and for us too it's kind of fun to to not worry about what's happening in the the real life baseball world but rather a, a big part of our lives i know for our staff a lot of members on our staff love baseball cards so um if you haven't gotten into them now is a i don't know if now is the best time but now is a time to get into it um, and of course we can always help you out if you have any questions i love talking about it and i I, I don't know if you're the same way, but I love introducing baseball fans to baseball cards that are not into it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the best. So, it's so fun. And you can, you know, and it seems like every beginner 
will have a major unbelievable hit within the first 30 days of their collection. <laughs> That's always the way it works. Yeah. That's why I introduced so many new people so I can uh, yeah. get their hits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mine was uh, my first retail box that I got from Target. Just a, re a $20 retail box had a Vladimir Guerrero number to 10 autographed. No like, way. I was like, is this in everything? I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> this is easy. But that was fun. That was, that was, you know, so that happens. And I've heard that over and over. My buddy, you know, I did this, he did the same thing. Gets like, you know, he did football, but you know, a Nick Bosa signed rookie card out of like five. I was like, what the heck? I was like, buddy, <laughs> just get into it. It's fun. Uh, but Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Can you uh, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter and uh, what you're working on right now? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can all follow me on Twitter. I'm at MJR sports cards and uh, you, you know, you can check me out on my own website or, you know, I'm also writing for prospects 1500 uh, right now. I'm working on a piece uh, just going over some of the hot prospects in the first month of uh, the season. Well, which cards, you know, gained value, which, which prospects lost value, you know, who is buying what, who's hot, who's cold. And uh, hopefully that'll come out uh, pretty soon this week. Oh, awesome. That's great. I would love to take a look at that. I'll definitely uh, re we treat. I can never say that word. Re <laughs> that to multiple times because uh it is like you said it's a stock market if you're into the it's it offers something for everybody no matter if you're into baseball if you're into the stock market if you're into artwork like it has something for everybody i think it and it sounds silly and i tell you know my, my friends that are not into them i'm like i'm into baseball cards now they're like look they give me that look but it's it's really <laughs> a childish hobby anymore it's such a, a wide yeah. net so get into it but uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Futures Focus podcast, I'm Alex Sanchez, and David will be joining me next week, hopefully talking about some minor league baseball action as it starts up. So tune in next week. Thanks, everybody.